Hello, everyone. Welcome to Freedom of the Kingdom podcast. This podcast is designed to strengthen and encourage you, inspire and excite you as you discover the keys that will unlock for you supernatural kingdom provision, prosperity, wealth, health, and all the kingdom benefits you are entitled to as a son of God, as a daughter of God. Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, his finished work has already provided for you all things. That's right. It's yours. You've already got it. And when you get a revelation of this truth, it will transform you from the inside out. My name is Debbie Amaral, and I want to thank you for joining me today. If you are new to this podcast, I want to extend a warm welcome, and I hope you will come back. Well, it's so good to be back behind the mic. My husband and I have just gotten back from St. Michael the Azores, and we were out of the country for a month. And But we had an amazing time as we saw God work. We made some divine connections, carols, moments. Before I left, I wrote a little book called I've Always Loved You. It's about the Father's love, and I had it translated into Portuguese and had it printed up. I brought them with me to St. Michael with the intention of distributing them among friends and just anybody we came in contact with. It was, an, it was amazing, though, how God brought people to us. We truly experienced Kairos moments and divine connections. Whoa. We gave some of the books out to local churches. Also, while we were there, we took a flight over to another small island called Flourish, which means flowers. And while there, we attended a Wednesday night Bible study. A small group of new believers were there, and the pastor gave us an opportunity to share our testimony and encourage the new believers. It was so much fun. He allowed us to give the books to them. It was wonderful. But what was so amazing also that there was someone there visiting from mainland, the mainland Portugal, and the gentleman grabbed the book and said, I want to take one with me to read on the plane. I said, oh, thank you, Lord. The book has reached Portugal. So it's great. When we got back to St. Michael, the people of the island were preparing for their annual feast of Santo Cristo of the Miracles. I heard that there were 60,000 people alone. 60,000 were marching in the procession. That's not including all the thousands of spectators. People came from the United States and Canada to participate. The day before the procession, many walked toward the church paying their vows, you know, making vows, giving thanks for their healing by crawling on their knees. It was quite a sight to see. But I have to be honest with you, it saddened me. Holy Spirit reminded me of the scripture in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that says, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You know, the enemy has blinded them, deceived them into believing that they have to do something to merit their healing. They have to pay penance or make sacrifices. They don't know, really, that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb who paid the price. He did it all. His perfect and finished work on the cross has made the way to reconcile us to the Father and enter into his kingdom. I would ask that you keep them in prayer, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. 
that the light of the glorious gospel would be revealed to them and they would receive and believe. Pray that they would see the light of the glorious gospel and that the Lord of the harvest would send labors to them. To continue with our series, Freedom in the Kingdom, Enjoying Kingdom Provision. And today, I want to talk to you about the law of sowing and reaping and the law of seed time and harvest. It's important for us to understand these laws because God has put these laws in place since the beginning of time and they are still operative. In his book titled, Take Charge of Your Financial Destiny, Jerry Savelle says, God gave man two gifts in the garden, authority and seed. That's found in Genesis 1.29. I'll read it. It says, And God said, Behold, I have even I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be meat. When God gave man seed, it constitutes a gift. The herb-bearing seed, or as the original Hebrew rendering calls it, seeding seed. This seed, God said, shall be to you meat. Some translations say food or provision. Jerry goes on to say, with seed, man determines his destiny. No one can control you. No one can limit your destiny. You can determine your destiny through your God-given authority and by seeds that you sow. Wow, isn't that good news? No man can't limit you but you. From the beginning of time, God chose the method of sowing and reaping seed time and harvest, and it will remain as such as long as this planet exists. The law of seed time and harvest is a fixed law, just as gravity is a fixed law. If we go back to the time after the flood, the first thing Noah did was built an altar and made a sacrifice to the Lord. God was pleased with Noah and made several promises to him. One of the promises given at that time was the law of seed time and harvest. God said, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. God reestablishes the law of seed time and harvest after the flood. Sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest is an important principle in every area of life. We are all operating within this process if we like it or not. For believers and non-believers alike, it is a fundamental law of prosperity for everyone on planet Earth. God has chosen to give each of us a life that is dependent on sowing and reaping seed time and harvest. So what, what do we need to know about these two laws? First of all, there will be no growth, no harvest without first sowing seed in the form of giving or investing. Secondly, seeds not only grows, they also multiply. Think about it. When we plant a kernel of corn, does it grow up and produce one more kernel? Of course not. It grows up and produces ears with rows and rows with more kernels of corn. The same is true with our money. When we sow our money, it will come back to us multiplied. It's a law. Thirdly, seed represents the future. The seed you have right now in your possession and what you do with it today will determine your tomorrow. Wow, think about that. So you've got to plant seed. 
God will only multiply seed sown. That seed must leave your hand and be planted. If you eat the seed, guess what? No harvest. But I'm getting ahead of myself right now. When we hear these words, seed time and harvest, we tend to focus on the word harvest. We love the harvest. The harvest is when we go into the fields to reap the fruit. The harvest represents overflow, abundance. The harvest represents seed sown. Solomon taught us that there were, there's a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which was planted, Ecclesiastes 3.2. The problem is that most people want the harvest without sowing the seed. And so often I hear, I don't have seed to sow, Debbie. You know, but that's not true. We all have seed in some form or another. We may not have a lot, but that doesn't matter. We know it only takes one kernel of corn to produce many stalks of corn. Sow the little you have, because when you sow, you become a sower. And God will supply you with more seed to sow. He gives the increase. I know for many believers, sowing can be difficult. It can be hard to let the seed go when your mind is telling you, what are you doing? You need that money, right? But you know something? First of all, sowing requires faith. Write that down. Sowing requires faith. It takes believing the word, believing what God says, and not what our checkbook or our wallet or even our stomachs is telling us or screaming at us. Where you spend your money reveals where your heart is connected to. Because your heart is the place from which you give your money. Hmm, think about that. Secondly, sowing seed takes vision. Write that down. Sowing seed takes vision. When you sow by faith, meaning you have to see beyond the present. And see with the eyes of faith on the inside that your future looks bright and prosperous. You can see the end from the beginning. You can see that you're going to have a harvest. But if you are like the unfaithful servant that we learned about in the previous podcast, the one who hid his master's money, he didn't sow it, he didn't invest. If you don't sow seed, Five years from now, your situation will still look the same. I cannot stress enough the importance of sowing seed. Seed time and harvest is God's way of providing for us. Our seed determines our, determines our future. Whatever you sow today, again, has everything to do how you will live tomorrow. As long as you've got seed, you are in control of your financial destiny and the enemy cannot stop you from getting blessed when you apply God's law of sowing and reaping. The more you sow, the greater the harvest. And then the more you'll have to sow. The problem with most believers is they are eating their seed. Listen to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. It says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. In this passage, Paul uses the metaphor of sowing and reaping to illustrate how generosity works. The more we give, the more God promises to bring back in return. 
When you sow more, you reap more. Give more resources and more resources will be entrusted to you. How does God supply seed to the sower? By giving a harvest large enough so there's not only enough for food, but also enough seed to plant next year's crop. My husband's parents were farmers in their small village in St. Michael the Azores. And when my father-in-law harvested a crop of wheat, he had a choice to make. He could either take all of the wheat, grind it into flour to make bread, or he could put some wheat germ aside to plant more wheat in order to have another harvest the following year. My father-in-law always saved some of the wheat germ to plant for the following year. If he used it all for bread, he wouldn't have anything to sow. He would not have a crop the following year. On the other hand, if he used all the seed and planted it, well, then the family would go without. They'd even starve while they waited for the next year's harvest. Is this making sense? The same is true for the resources God gives you. God provides enough resources for you both to live off and also to give. You should eat what has been given for provision and sow what has been given for generosity. Are you an eater? I know we are all eaters. We all need provision for food, housing, clothing, to pay bills. The problem lies when we eat our seed thinking it will make us happy, satisfied us. But the truth is, when we eat our seed, meaning the one that should be sown, then we strap ourselves. We put ourselves in a place of lack. We cut off our supply. But when we sow, we can rest assured God will not only supply the seed, but he brings increase. He multiplies. What's the purpose of the increase? so that you will have your needs met. You will have more than enough and left over to give for his kingdom purposes. As you sow into others' lives, a greater harvest of your righteousness manifests, meaning you can do more, greater works that result from you being a righteous person. There's a blessing that comes with giving. Did you notice Paul said you'll be rich in every way when you are generous and give? Let's read that verse again in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 9. It says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See, when we sow into other people's lives, it causes them to give thanksgiving to God. Isn't that powerful? Look at the word rich there. In the King James, it says enriched which means to cause to be relatively high on a scale of opulence, make wealthy. When we sow, we will see results, abundance, increase, financially, spiritually rich in every way. The whole point Paul is making in this chapter, chapter 9, it's not about accumulating personal financial wealth. It's about God blessing you so you will have more than enough for yourself and plenty to give so that you continue to give and give generously. Why does the Lord want us to give generously? So we can reap generously. Giving is a very powerful tool in the kingdom of God because giving starts the receiving cycle. Amen? Giving starts the receiving cycle. 
The law of the kingdom is you sow generously, you reap generously. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you're not sure how much of what you possess is to sow and how much is for you to eat, just ask the Lord. He will lead you and he will direct you. So often, what I have found in talking to people who are always struggling financially, you know, too much month, not enough money, they, they are either mismanaging their money, they're not being good stewards, or they're living above their means, resulting in not having enough to tithe or sow. Now listen, I understand life happens. Circumstances beyond our control occur. But if someone is continuously, perpetually struggling, living paycheck to paycheck, too much month, not enough money, not producing, not increasing, more than likely, they're eating their seed. Mm. There are two types of people, sowers and eaters. Eaters are those who are using their finances primarily for their needs. An eater is a person who primarily focuses on their own needs and their own wants. They are the ones who go before the Lord crying, telling him what they need and the reason why they need more money or they need to prosper is so that their needs can be met. Guess what? As long as that eater is praying his needs be met, he will get just that, his needs met. The eater needs to be seed conscious, not need conscious. Sowers, on the other hand, they need to eat too. But sowers are those who use their finances primarily to give to others. The reason why they want to prosper is because they want more to give. They don't give money to get money. They sow to advance the kingdom. Their focus is the kingdom. They want to see souls saved. They want to see the nations changed. They love blessing others. And God honors the sower and he gives them more. Sowers will always have extra in order that they may abound to every good work. They hear of a need. If God leads, they will joyfully and gladly give to that need. It's important that sowers be led of the Spirit also. When God blesses the sower, he has enough to give, plus some for himself. God not only meets the needs of the sower, but also gives them the desires of their heart. Someone has said, enjoy giving. It is the cheapest way to enjoy living. Giving for the kingdom's sake establishes great destinies. I love that. When you are truly a sower, God will see that money will get to you because he knows it will get through you. He will see to it that you have enough to give to every good work. I once heard a preacher say, if you are down to your last dollar, you've got a choice to make. Sow or eat. What are we going to do? Sow the seed. Don't eat your seed. Eat the harvest. Listen to what 2 Corinthians Chapter 9, verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance, so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be, self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. God is able to make all grace abound toward you as you give. You must be persuaded that God is able to reward your giving. Just as God is able to make seed multiply to a great harvest, he will bless and multiply your seed for giving.
Jesus taught that the smallest of gifts would be rewarded, even a cup of water. The widow woman who sowed two mites, she sowed all that she had. And Jesus said, said that she gave more than everyone. Don't you think she was rewarded? Now, in this verse I just read, it says, God is able to make all grace come to you in abundance, that you would be self-sufficient, having enough to require no aid or support, and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. That sounds to me like we should have more than enough. All of God's children are wealthy. They may not know it. They may not be walking in it, but it's a fact. The Lord has blessed us that we may be a blessing to others. I love what it says in Psalm 112, verses 1 through 3. I like to read that. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth, that's his children. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Look at it, listen to verse 3. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Hello, I'm just reading the Bible. Wealth and riches shall be in your house. Every son and daughter possesses wealth and riches. God wants all his children to walk in abundance and increase. The wealth that God gives isn't contingent upon the economy, quarterly earnings, the stock market, interest rates. No, 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 no. In God's kingdom, everyone is prosperous. But in order to access kingdom provision, we have to apply its laws and principles. It's going to take faith, no doubt about it. It takes faith to bring what's in the unseen realm into the natural realm. Listen, if you are experiencing lack, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord what he would have you to do. Then step out in faith. You may experience a struggle within. That's only because lack hates seed. Why? Because seed will get you out of your need. If you are down to your last seed, don't eat it. Sow it. I learned several years ago that a farmer, when he's getting ready to plant, he looks at the ground with the anticipation how much seed can he get in that ground. He doesn't look at it, what's the least he can sow. No, he thinks what's the most I can sow. Why? The more he sows, the bigger the harvest. I hope you're getting this today because I'm really trying to drive home a very important principle today. Let's also talk for a few moments about the law of giving. Jesus said, given it shall be given unto you. And I realize if you study out the context in which this verse is written, Jesus is talking about judging and unforgiveness and showing kindness. Give forgiveness, you'll receive forgiveness. The measure you judge someone, that's the measure that will be given back to you. The same with kindness or whatever we give, it will come back to us again. For the sake of our lesson today, again, let's focus on our resources and money. As we give up our resources, it will be given to us. I was fortunate to have grown up in a family that believed in giving. My parents were givers, and I watched the result of my parents' generosity manifest itself in so many ways. When you give to others, you are acknowledging that you have enough to go around. It, it also demonstrates an act of love. And this is the opposite of a scarcity mentality. A scarcity mentality limits increase and success. 
A scarcity mentality believes if they give, they won't have enough of themselves. They see life as only having so much. The scarcity mindset revolves around the idea that there simply is not enough to go around, so they tend to be stingy. Conversely, an abundance mentality thinks there is more than enough. They think big. They believe there is more than enough to go around. They are givers. Our father is a giver. He gave the most precious thing he had for us while we were yet sinners. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave. Father God sowed his absolute best seed. That's what sowers do. They sow their best seed. His son was his seed. What did the father reap? Millions of sons and daughters. May I gently and lovingly say, if you are not a giver, you don't have the heart of your father. But I believe if you will consistently listen to messages on giving and sowing and reaping, the word is a seed and it will produce a harvest in your life. The word will change any faulty thinking you may have. You will gain knowledge and understanding. And so often it's a lack of knowledge in this area that causes one not to prosper. Now listen, if there is a spirit of fear stopping you from giving, the word of God will cast out that fear. Believe me when I say the more insight and revelation you receive about the law of seed time and harvest and the law of sowing and reaping and giving, the greater the manifestation of God's blessing will be in your life. Giving is a powerful, powerful key that unlocks and opens for you the storehouse of heaven. Giving produces the ability to walk in financial health and freedom. So let's begin today to be open to give as the Lord leads. God has designed it that this law works in every area of our life. You give love, you receive love. You give mercy, you receive mercy. If you're friendly, you will have friends. Perhaps you may be thinking, but Debbie, I do sow seed. I am faithful in bringing my tithes. I give, and yet I am not seeing the benefits. I want to encourage you to not give up. The word tells us, do not get weary in doing good. Because in due season, you will reap if you faint not. Keep on doing what the Lord tells you to do. Also, I want to caution you to watch the words you speak as you wait for your harvest. The word tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So you can actually curse your seed by speaking death over it. Words like... I'll never get ahead. I never have enough. Something always goes wrong. Something always breaks. Or let's go when I'm trying to save. Have you ever said that before? Or my parents were poor. I'll always be poor. When you speak these words, you are speaking a self-fulfilling prophecy. Keep in mind, the kingdom of God can only function in our lives to the degree that we learn and follow its laws and principles. So watch your tongue. Because that's another law, the law of confession. Watch what you say. Because your words are seeds. And it will bear fruit. And that's what you're going to partake of. That's what you will have in your life. You see, the more that we follow the kingdom laws and principles, the more we prosper spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, financially. Amen? 
I'm getting ready to close, but I do want to take a few moments and talk about the tithe. Some people believe the tithe is an Old Testament practice, and if you don't pay your tithe, you'll be cursed. Things won't go well for you. Years ago, that is what I believed. If I did not pay my tithes, I'd be robbing God, and I would have car problems. Things would go wrong. Kids would get sick. And as long as I tithe, it would keep the devil away. You know, I was one of those that looked at tithing as an obligation and like an, an insurance policy, if you will. Of course, today, I think so differently. Holy Spirit has enlightened me in this area, and I know that my motive for tithing back then was wrong. Tithing is a matter of the heart, and the Bible does, doesn't say for us to pay tithes, first of all. It says to bring the tithes into the storehouse. The tithe is neither an Old Testament or a New Testament principle. It is a biblical principle. And the tithe was actually put into place before the law was given to Moses. What the Lord did was put a curse on the one who did not tithe. But we who are under the new covenant, we are redeemed from the curse. Galatians 3.13 tells us that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So you are not cursed if you don't tithe or give an offering. So does that mean that we no longer tithe or give offerings? Let me explain what happens. You go to work. You're sowing your time and your labor and you reap your wages. Your wages, your paycheck is your seed. Now, if you take a portion of that seed and bring it into God's storehouse, the house of the Lord, a supernatural transfer takes place. You've taken your money, if you will, your seed from this earth cursed system, this earthly kingdom, and now you've put it into God's kingdom, his economy. He multiplies it, it increases, and he gives it back to you. This is a no-brainer. Why would you not want to tithe and give offerings? If you choose to eat all the seed and not plant any of it, you won't have a harvest. You're not going to have much in the days ahead in the future. You need to exercise discipline and take a portion of what you get and plant it. So don't look at the tithe or sowing and giving as a duty you need to perform. Look at it as a biblical, as a kingdom principle, a key given to you to unlock supernatural provision and prosperity from the kingdom of God. Amen? Let me sum up today's lesson by saying, God prospers us so we can establish his kingdom. We can give to those in need and to abound unto every good work. We should expect to receive when we give primarily so we will get more to give more. Amen. We should live to give and not give to live. Now take the keys that you received today and apply them and see supernatural provision and prosperity come into your life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these listeners today. I thank you for opening their eyes of understanding. I ask, Father, that through your Holy Spirit, you would strengthen them in their inner man. If there is a spirit of fear, anxiousness, or worry about their finances, their future, I cast it out in the name of Jesus. And I speak freedom from any spirit of financial bondage and debt. I speak forth the manifold blessing of wisdom and prosperity into their lives in Jesus' name. Well, that's all I have for today. I hope you are enjoying these podcasts. If so, please share them with your family and friends, and please don't forget to subscribe. If you are out there and you have not yet entered into the kingdom, Jesus is the door that gives you access 
Jesus said, I am the door and no man comes to the Father but by me. So to become a citizen of heaven, you must believe in Jesus' finished work, his death, burial, and resurrection. Do you believe that he, the Son of God, gave his life for you, not to condemn you, but to save you and forgive you from your sin? Do you believe he took your place on the cross and you deserve the punishment, but he took it? Do you believe that today? Do you believe he rose from the dead and he's right now seated at the right hand of the Father? Do you believe because of Jesus' finished work, you are healed, whole, a new creation, and born again? Jesus said you must believe. You know, right now would be a good time to sit quietly and let these words penetrate into your heart. And when you are ready, just say, Lord, I believe. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart. He died for my sin, and he has risen and made a way for me to come back home. I believe. That's all you have to say, my friend. And you know something? Let me be the first to say, welcome home. Amen. So to all you, my listeners, if you would like to write to us and share a testimony of what the Lord is doing in your life and how these podcasts have helped you, if you need prayer, please don't hesitate to connect with us. We would love to hear from you. Our email address is freedominthekingdomnow at gmail.com. Until next time, bye-bye.